growth requires more than capital. Why do we call it the cheat code? Nobody said growth had to be fair. Revenue solves everything. Welcome to the cheat code. What was our fastest path to revenue? We tend to like to do things the hard way. What's the cheat code? It's giving yourself an unfair advantage over the others. What is it that really works and how are we going to grow these organizations? That's our cheat code. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GTM Cheat Code, season two, focused on partnerships. I'm Josh Wagner. Alongside me is Justin Gray. Hello. hello. All right. So yeah. Hey, what's going on? So a uh, little bit of a deviation today. We're going to revisit an episode that was recorded in season one, but had so much validity around the partnership topic. We thought we'd bring it in, in here to season two. So there's going to be a little bit of a jump before we introduce uh, the guests of today's show. Uh, you know, we'll do a quick introduction. Justin and I might talk about it a little bit, but essentially we will then jump into an interview that Sean and I actually did with Doug uh, a few months ago. So without further ado, uh, former senior head of sales enablement and training at Salesforce, a the chief storytelling officer from Box, current partner with Emergence Capital, we would love to welcome Doug Landis to the show. And when Doug comes on, he really focuses on talking about how you provide value to your network to unlock opportunities. And that has such a huge, huge impact on how you do your partnerships. We thought we'd talk about that first before we jump into Doug. So Justin, let's jump off there. Network is huge. Partnerships help you build your network. Where does your mind go? Yeah, I think, you know, what we've seen lately, so it's very top of mind on, on our side, is the fundamental question, how do I create a partner-led go-to-market? And shortly thereafter is, you know, like, what does that look like from an actionable standpoint? Like, beyond signing paper, which I know we've talked about in, in the past is like this, you know, very trivial aspect of, of a true partnership. How do I get traction with these partners? Which I think the first aside there is that partnerships are a big investment and they're a big investment because they work, right? And, and we hear this all the time, like, you know, oh, we tried that. It never really got any traction, didn't work, right? And, and normally when you dig in on that type of a conversation, tried that means, you know, a couple months of like hot and heavy, we've got this new partnership, whether it's an integration partner or go-to-market partner, and you know, very little follow-through throughout the teams below, which is why I think Doug's episode is so relevant here. Uh, I think he actually frames it as giving a shit. And, you know, mm -hmm. fundamentally for me, it's it's value proposition, right? Like, do you understand what your value is to fill in the blank? And then are you constantly revisiting, driving, and measuring yourself on on the achievement of that value? Yeah. And, and, and to your point, like, you know, we also in, in Doug's episode, one of the things you'll hear is how do you start building a network of people that give a shit or you can give a shit about when you're young and you're in your early in your career. And that takes me back to the early days when you and I were at LeadMD and the focus was that Marketo partnership, right? All I did was squarely focused on that partnership and how I could bring value to those sellers and get value back from them. And we had this value exchange going my network was literally built off of that single partnership that still exists today, right? It's all kind of branched and tree branched off of that one partnership. So even if we take some of the learnings from Jared and Jason in our last two episodes, where they say, listen, you got to focus, you don't need to be partners with everybody, 
focus on where is going to be a good fit. Those good fits are going to create better relationships. They're going to help you connect at a deeper level. And you're going to be able to add value if you are in it so deep that it matters to you and your business. Yeah, that depth, I think, is is fundamentally what I see missing. And I was actually giving that same anecdote yesterday um, yeah. on, on a Portco eval. And the, the challenge is, you know, the value prop we always think of, and we should, is the customer value prop. We've got a gap sure. in our product. We've got, uh, you know, uh, we're stronger together from a go-to-market perspective. We share a buyer. Like, what are we able to provide together? for that customer. And that is the fundamental value prop that, that, you know, gets people to their ears to perk up and, and believe that there's partner potential there, but that is not what drives success in partnerships. And I think that is probably the most surprising aspect as we talk through this with, with founders, with other partners and so on, um, that value prop has to be orchestrated across the revenue cycle. And what I mean by that is, you know, you've got sales, uh, value propositions, you've got marketing, you've got customer success, you've got product. Each one of those value props has to be understood at the counterpart level. You know, and again, to your right. point on the Marketo example, and I, I'm not sure if we shared this anecdote before, but we probably have in some form or fashion. But the big challenge at Marketo was the fact that they were being asked to sell to a CMO and they were experts in technology. They were experts right. in the features, the, you know, the, 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 the single line of sight benefits that that technology provided, but that CMO had to turn around and, and make a case for budget to a, you know, a tight purse string gr group of individuals and the value engineering team within that organization. And, and obviously you ran this, this motion, uh, to, with a great deal of excellence and success was the fact that they did not qualify to garner the resources of that value engineering team. It had to be a you know, multi-seven-figure deal, had to be an enterprise deal. So that leaves a lot of the organization uh, left without a support system. And you know, the thing that we know is you know, SMB, mid-market enterprise, they all kind of buy in the same manner. There's oftentimes more people involved as you move up the ladder, but they need to understand what the ROI is, what the business case is. And to assemble that business case, I mean, I, I think you know what you and, and the rest of the team did there is exactly identify that as a pain point and then provide the, the, the remedy to that pain, which is just such a critical aspect of getting traction in, in partnerships. Yeah, what was the thing that we said to simplify it is, listen, we've got to take off the purple colored glasses for the CMO because they can't look at it through your lens. They need to look at it broadly across the organization. So we were able to provide that roadmap that looked across the entire spectrum of how they went to market and how Marketo plugged into it and then what levers that helped them pull in their business plan. So that yeah, was just a completely should, different view. Showing up to a board meeting and saying, we need to make this you know, six-figure investment so we can send email and we can nurture prospects. What does that mean to someone who's right. you know looking to evaluate true value? And and so I think that's where Doug's episode will really get people's wheels turning on how to identify those those value propositions, foster the relationships, and a lot of different uh, uh, vantage points during you know uh, throughout the organization. And that is you know what really hooks and creates a strong partner. Absolutely. Well, without further ado, let's uh, let you jump in to listening to me and Sean. Talk to Doug Landis and enjoy the episode. I am Josh Wagner. Alongside me today is Sean Kester. Sean, good to have you. Glad to be back. We haven't seen you, other than our little interludes, we haven't seen you on the show in a while. 
I know. The people have been asking though. The people have been asking. And and when they ask, he shows up with Starlink internet. Every time a cloud goes by his uh, trailer, the, the internet cuts out. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. It is a, it's a double wide trailer though. It is a double wide. Yeah. So at least you sprung for the, for the double wide. It's, it's all good. Yeah, right. By the way, the, the hair matches the, the house. Is that what I'm saying? Look at that. I, I knew, I knew you'd say something. Well, well, enough about making fun of Sean. We'll get to more of that later. But uh, our guest today, probably more importantly, is Doug Landis, growth partner at Emergence Capital, former chief storyteller, I'm told. Yes, former chief storyteller at Box. Uh, at Box. Perennial, perennial, it used to be Box.net, now Box.com. Um, uh, yeah, working with the old Aaron Levy and crew. Well, we'll have to that's get great. into that at some point. And as you know, the show is The Cheat Code, and The Cheat Code is all about your thing that's helped you get uncommon outcomes in your career. And yeah. yours couldn't be better. It's simply giving a shit. <laughs> well, I would say, yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's that. I would say that's an extension of my 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 cheat. I mean, fundamentally, <laughs> oh, I think I think fundamentally everybody needs to give a shit. And and uh, the more you give a shit, the more it shows both with prospects, customers, partners, you know, your team members, your the companies you work with and work for. Um, I, I We could go down that path of giving a shit. Honestly, if you take a step back, what is somewhat connected to this is I think my cheat throughout my life and throughout my career has been connections. But the reality is, is you can't build great connections unless you give a shit about people. Right. Right. Unless you really give a shit about the relationships, unless you really give a shit about uh, the connections you're making. I mean, Sean and I, we go back to the sales loft days. Um, And and interestingly enough, before I joined Emergence, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. But before I joined Emergence, I knew Kyle, uh, you know, from sales loft because he started Prospector. And I've been, you know, basically swimming in the go to market domain for 30 some odd years. And I was a huge fan of his and a huge fan of what they were building. And then I joined Emergence and Kyle calls me. He's like, holy shit, guess what? <laughs> You're one of our investors. And I was like, come on, look at this. Awesome. Now we get to work together. So like, it right. just if you think about, you know, everyone, everybody always says like your network is your net worth. Um, I don't know if enough people actually unpack that to really understand, well, how do you actually create value in that network and how do you fully leverage that? And I would argue that's my cheat. Uh, well, you obviously couldn't be more right. And I think we should unpack that. I mean, we, we got an hour here, so we might as well just unpack it <laughs> but, <laughs> because you're right. Right. I mean, listen, I, I think Sean, Justin, who, who's our other co-host and partner in revenue capital and I have all used that to help ourselves get to where we are today. Right. And I think we all That's give right. a shit and, and the, the network is what makes us who we are and is allowing yeah. us to start a venture capital firm out of thin air. Right. So. Yeah. I think that's it. But yeah, start to unpack it for us <laughs> you, a little bit. You got. I would argue you have some pretty strong connections. I mean, just think about it. I mean, look, I, I, it's so crazy to me when people reach out and they're like, hey, you know, I'm looking for a new gig. And if they don't, like, if they haven't done enough to kind of nurture their network right. or their connections, it's like, dude, you've done yourself a disservice from um, the college days, right? From way right. back when you were in high school, because the reality is, it's like, I don't think... I don't even know in my entire career if I ever actually applied to a job. Right. Uh, right. So it was, it was always yeah. like, Oh, Hey, yeah, uh, wait, maybe my very first job out of college, but that was, sure. that's, you know, that's right out of college. And after that, it was, it was all about my connections, the networks and the network that I created 
and the relationships that I developed. And, and, and then in that process, you kind of understand what's important to you, where, where, what your superpowers are, what your skill sets are, where do you want to continue to further develop? And then you start to look for what aligns with that. And then if it's a company that aligns with that, then you're like, great, who in that organization, who's connected to that organization that I know that, you know, can, can get me, can get me involved. Um, most often though, it was the other way around. They're like, Hey, you know, Sean, there's this great company that I think you'd be perfect for. That's right. And you're like, that's ultimately what you want, right? Is you want people coming to you and be like, you, I want to work with again, or you are so great. This company needs you because I understand, I understand who you are and I understand what they need. And I think that could be a match made in heaven. Yeah. I mean, even if you use that narrow example of looking for a job, right? Every time I yeah. see posts on LinkedIn about layoffs and about I'm looking or I'm a free agent or this or that. And people aren't responding to when I put my resume in, I don't want to be to be callous, but I'm like, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, unless they're hedging their bets, right. On the one hand, no, they can I be like, it. look, I'm going to throw this out to the broader network and see who shows up sure. to offer some help and support or support. Uh, but at the same time, I'm also going to go kind of, you know, under the radar and, and I'm going to go tap into all, the people that I, that I, I know and respect, but here's the thing, like, I think you said it in the beginning, Josh, which is like, at the end of the day, in order for your connections to feel valuable, both for you and for the other person, there also has to be a sincere and honest give a shit factor. Like, and, and I think one of the challenges that we face in today's environment is we are, we lead right now with take first. And I fundamentally believe in order to build connections, in order to build the strength of your network, if your network is going to have real value, you've got to have a give first mentality. And oftentimes, and this happens on LinkedIn all the time, I'm, I imagine this happens to both of you, but literally, I, you know, someone's like, yeah, add me. And I'm like, okay, sure. Because um, you're in the go-to-market space or you're in sales or right. marketing, what have you. And I care about, you know, everybody in this space. And then the first thing they do is they're like, hey, can I, can, can we set up a meeting? I think we share some, some common, you know, some common background right. or common experience. I'm like, no, GFY, right. man, I don't know you. Like you, you just jumped in. You just wanted to take, I guess what you're trying to take, you're trying to take my time. And that's one of the most valuable assets that we all have. And it's like, okay, so I will give up my time yesterday. I think I had four or five calls all with people who are wanted to catch up. And most of them were like, Hey, I'm thinking about making a move. I just kind of want to pick your brain. And I'm like, the only reason why I took those meetings is because I know each and every one of those individuals and they've earned the right to ask for my time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's something you definitely have to nurture full time. You know, who's great at this is our mutual friend, Ralph Farsi. You know, he, oh, he's he, amazing. He texts me on my birthday. He texts me on any, like any, uh, like anniversary of something that we did together. <laughs> yes. He'll send me a picture. Yes. God, Sean, he's, a, he's like, the best at it. He's so good. I, it's funny enough. He actually texted me on my birthday was, which was just this week. And, and like, it's those little things, right? It's the mm -hmm. little things that go a long way. I just had somebody yesterday who I worked with at Salesforce back in 2006 in San Mateo sent me a message on LinkedIn commenting on like how, how important I've been to his progression and his growth over time, not even just at Salesforce. And he was like, I just wanted to, I just wanted to share that with you and just say, thank you. That's cool. I haven't talked to the, I haven't talked to the guy in over a year and like right. getting that message. I was like, dude, that is just thank you. Because first of all, we all need it. And Second of all, there was nothing attached to it whatsoever. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. You yeah. both mentioned this Ralph cat, right? Who sent you a text <laughs> on your, on your birthday. Yeah. 
Can you create a system for giving a shit? Because obviously he's got a something going he, that's sending him he a note. Or, yeah. yeah, he definitely has one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely well, actually, does because he's. Be, we're not the only two people he does it for. Well, yeah, yeah, I want to hear. I want to hear about this. <laughs> so, like, well, think about it. Like, it's it's similar to the way in which you kind of manage your opportunities and manage mm-hmm. your contacts. Like it's important. The people who are important to you, it's important to remember the little things, right? Or if you see somebody make an announcement on LinkedIn, instead of like you're chiming in on the ginormous stream of comments and thumbs up and everything else, like send them a text message. Be like, holy totally. shit, that's amazing. And it's those, it's just, it's like the little things that make a huge difference. Um, you know, good friend, Amy Volus is hilarious. She, she and I talk about this all the time because like her, one of her love languages is giving gifts. Yeah. And, and, and for me, like, I love, you know, words of affirmation. And so she's like, so I'm like, so I'm like, Hey, I tell you what, you know, next time we have something to celebrate, don't send me a gift, write something on LinkedIn for me. (laughs) Cause I'm like, cause that matters to me more than like getting stuff. Cause Mm -hmm. it's not really attached to stuff, but for her, if it's a big thing, like I'll send her, you know, I'll send her a congratulatory, you know, coffee mug with a cat on it. Cause we're, we both have cats and cat pants, but like, it's just (laughs) knowing these it's knowing these little things. So guess what? You got to have some sort of system to keep track of the people that you care about and what they care about. Yeah. Yeah. Amy's great. I had her on my previous podcast, the love selling hate sales podcast. And we met through LinkedIn. It was one of those organic kind right? of co- commenting on each other's posts and whatnot. And I hopefully gave enough value to get a reach out and say, Hey, would you come on my show? And she wound up saying yes. And we had a great time just talking about a lot of this stuff, right? The give and get and, creating value for people as opposed to just trying to constantly, you know, debit, debit, debit. And uh, yeah. yeah, she was great. And I, I remember I mentioned something about not going to Saster one year on LinkedIn. I immediately picked up the phone and called her and she was, she was like, Oh my God, I can't believe you called me. This is amazing. <laughs> but again, that's like one of those little things that stands out, right? Like mm-hmm. you just picked up the phone. You're like, Hey, I'd rather just talk to you about this or leave you a voice message. Uh, this just happened to me yesterday. So I was doing oftentimes you guys both know this, that in our jobs, we have to do back channels on candidates, right? You've got an agency that's doing a right. VPS sales search and you look at the list and you're like, uh, okay, I can back channel these four people like in a matter of minutes. Um, and it just happened. I, I pinged, you know, former CRO at this company. And I knew this sales leader worked for him. And I was like, give me your, your two thoughts. And he immediately called me back. I couldn't answer the phone because I was in a meeting, but he left me a voicemail and he's like, Hey, listen, just quick message. You know, love to chat with you live about it, but like, here's the, here's the short and dirty. And, and those things happen because you've built up enough. You no, know, everyone, everyone often talks about personal brand and I want to connect this back to connections because yeah. I think it's really important. Um, and I say this all the time, uh, uh, largely because I think a lot of like Gen Z, Gen X, Gen Y need to understand this, but like you don't claim your personal brand. You don't claim your brand. Your brand claims you. Your brand claims you based on what you do, the thousands of little things that you do. But when you go out on the LinkedIn, you're like, I'm a sales master or whatever. I'm a like a LinkedIn voice, social, social voice seller. or whatever. Like I, whatever it is, like I'm a LinkedIn <laughs> sales influencer or whatever the fuck you want to call yourself. It's BS if you don't have any experience. Yeah, you were an SDR for two years. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> you show me your network and you show me that not only, I don't care about the numbers and everybody's like, oh, I got to 70,000 followers on LinkedIn in seven months. Like, great. Show me the connections that you actually have made mm-hmm. and, the, and, the, and the value that's in those connections. And then I'll show you somebody that's actually, that's got, that's got real 
uh, intrinsic value, right? And by the way, yeah. a lot of times this just takes time. I'm not saying I'm not like trying to diss anybody who's young. I'm just like start early and just remember, give a shit factor. What is yours? What is theirs? Yeah, if we're going to go down the LinkedIn influencer rabbit hole as a tangent here. <laughs> oh man, it is killing me lately. Like, and, and I'm, and if that's your deal and you're making a career and making a living doing it, that's all good. But the amount of posts of people flexing in their tank top because they have this lifestyle that they've built. And yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. is this real? Is this not real? Why are there so many of them? Who are right. you? Like, I, I don't right. know. It, it drives me crazy. <laughs> How well, did you get in so, my network? <laughs> well, it, and, and you know, it's interesting. So like those people I mute and most often I just kind of block because I'm like, I don't need, you're not adding any value in my community, right. in my network, right? And I think, again, it kind of goes back to, you know, this like, are, are you, is, is, your, is your lens, like, what can I share that can be value added to everybody in a particular role, function, or community? And, mm-hmm. and if you always have that lens, you're going to get back a hundredfold from what you give out. And, and those people have real intrinsic value because they're making deep connections because they care, right? They're like, you know what? I really appreciate, Josh, that you continue to comment on my stuff. Like, it feels like we're going to sw- keep swimming in similar ponds. You know, let's catch up and jump on a Zoom, uh, you know, because I've got these three things that I'd love to maybe share and get your perspective on. By the way, you notice I added that other color at the end. We're like, hey, just let's catch up and jump on a Zoom. You're like, all right, cool, but what for? Because again, I've got limited time, so give me some, give me some, some, um, some construct around it, right? But I, th- I think the other thing is too, and this also now carries over into actually selling, right? So if 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 you care about your connections, if you care about your network, it will carry over into how you actually get deals done. Like the other thing that I tell all of our portfolio companies is like, if you are trying to get access to a company that I am connected to people in that organization, I can get you in. I've got a 98% hit rate. Why? Because most likely the way in which I may approach reaching out to somebody like Josh, I don't, we don't know each other that well, but I'm like, Hey, I bet you Josh will respond to me because the way in which I'm going to approach him. Sure. And, and I also have some credibility. I've been around for a long time. It's all gray. It's not, (laughs) it's not colored. You earn that gray. Yeah. And, and so like, so it's like through my connections, I'm actually able to uncover me, you know, you know, book meetings and uncover insights into deals that, you know, our portfolio companies wouldn't normally have all because I've spent a lot of time nurturing my connections and my network. And so it carries over beyond just jobs. It's jobs, it's friendships. Like Josh, you were saying your, you know, your connection with Amy, like, I can't tell you how many people on LinkedIn have met and have become great friends as a result of, a, a time, you know, over time, nurturing these, these relationships and caring deeply. Yeah. I, I think in, in, uh, in fitness, they say time under tension, right? It's one of those things like yeah. the only yeah, time yeah. where you're going to get better at a squat or lift for this is just time under tension. And I feel like our careers and our network are a similar thing. And you, you mentioned yeah. a little bit about gaining experience, like just being out there beating your chest without experiences really a no sum game. The yep. only value that I think I add to anybody is just I have an experience and I share it with people. Like yeah. That's about it, right? I mean, <laughs> uh I've done some interesting stuff, maybe to some people, maybe to others are like you're an idiot and that's fine too, but well also too, here's the th- here's the other thing. I don't also look, I may I I like to be provocative. I like to push, I like to push the envelope, but it's also like I won't ever claim that I know everything. 
No. Um, and sometimes I can come across as a know it all. I, t- I totally will own that. But like, I'm just, I'm even owning my own shit right now. Like, it's like, I own it. I'm not, I don't think I'm an expert. I want to learn from other people. I want to give them the opportunity to do so. But if you waste my time, you like that you lose all value basically in my, in my kind of, in my network, in my, in my ecosystem. And, um, I think that's the other thing that we have to remember, right? So like you can burn bridges by being an asshole in, in any sort of channel, whether it's email or social or LinkedIn or what have you. Also by disparaging companies, by disparaging managers, by disparaging other people. Like, look, people are going to be shitty out there. That's unfortunately the reality. But like you could also take the high road and be like, you know what? I'm just not going to engage because it's not necessary. Yeah. All of these little things matter, right? It's like, oh, Josh is a solid dude. You know, he, he looks after his people, he's thoughtful and, you know, he goes out of his way, even if I'm not even asking for it and that I appreciate it. And so you're going to get from me 10 X what you ever, what I ever asked for. Just be a good person, you know, just, <laughs> yeah. ca- just like, just care. I, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really, that's all that matters. It's like, you just got to uh, care Yeah, it, just a little bit too. You don't have to care a lot. You just have to care yeah. a little. Yeah. I, I mean, Sean, even think about <clears throat> We knew each other a little bit, right? Right. And and here we are. And, and it was enough of like Justin and I hopped on a plane. You drove down from Tahoe. <laughs> yeah. Like which blew my mind. <laughs> we had lunch. Like, I don't think we're in business together if that little piece doesn't happen, right? right? Yeah. And that was right. for our mutual friend Craig and Scott, you know? Yeah, uh, exactly. And, and, and I talked how, to Craig and, and, and he happens. was just like, You need to talk to them. He's like, you know who you should talk to? You talk to Justin and Josh. And that's what and that's what happened. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Are you talking about here, Cra- are you talking about Craig and Scott from Topo? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rosenberg and Abra. <laughs> See, there you go. Look at you. Yeah. Look yeah. At exactly, right. you know? The world, <laughs> the world is the world is very small. You know what's interesting too? By the way, this also carries over into um, kind of like the the decisions that you make, both personally and professionally. Um, and I'll give you an example. I was, you know, I I carried a bag for a long time, um, and uh, I had an opportunity to basically move from the Bay area to New York and run kind of the Eastern region uh, at a, at a startup or at a, a software company. And I had to think long and hard about it. In the beginning, I was like, let me just go out there and like suss it out. Because at the end of the day, I have to make a decision as to if, do I want to build my network and all my connections in New York, or do I want to continue to build and nurture my networks that I have, my network that I have on the West coast and in the Valley. Cause I grew up in Palo Alto and I've lived all over the place, but, but like it was a very conscious decision. I knew if I was going to move there, I was going to start to build, you know, my Rolodex of customers, prospects, and 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 other other leaders that I wanted to continue to nurture and 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 build relationships with. And I realized I'm like, yeah, but I don't see myself living long term in New York. Like, love the city, love the vibe, love the energy. But like, you definitely have the style for it, though. Don't sell like, yourself short. Yeah. You- <laughs> Dude, I live in LA now, so I, my style fits. <laughs> you got to be super cool in LA. <laughs> no, I just fit in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, I do think that decision making though is important. And there's another thing yeah. that I, I think gets overlooked a little bit is the job hopping. You know, I I, oh, I was a yeah, quota totally. carrying seller for pretty much my whole career until now, right? Like that's that that's it. Um you know, the every year and a half, two years moving from this to that. And I get it. There are extenuating circumstances from there and now. Yep. But you, if you look at my background, it's like seven years at two companies or 10 years totally. at two companies. Totally. And I don't know, you you just build up such a deeper 
knowledge yeah. base in yep. an area yep. that, that gives you something to hang on to. Like, I think you can expand your network much deeper in that one place for yes. that period yes. of time. They call it, they call it, guess what? So originally we know, we know of the PayPal mafia, right? Well, guess what? <laughs> we have, we have the Salesforce mafia, right? Which is bonkers. I mean, I was there 900 and I left when there were 16,000 people. They, right. I, they all went through me and my team and, and then we have the box mafia, right? And I was at box for, you know, almost six years. And so like when you spend time at a company, hopefully you get the opportunity to do that. By the way, not everybody has that opportunity because maybe they're a bad picker and they pick companies for wrong reasons and it only lasts for, you know, a year, year and a half. But eventually you've got to like own that and be like, all right, well, I got to pick a place where I can stay for an extended period of time. Like Sean, you have it from, from sales loft from the early days and the relationships and the connections you build are unreal at that stage i'll tell you it even started for me all the way back in oracle i was part of the very first sdr community ever sdrs by the way started at oracle sorry ross and your bs <laughs> book at like principal <laughs> revenue by the way by the way we grew both grew up in, in palo alto together um he drives me bonkers because he didn't start predictable revenue it started at oracle and, and mark took it from oracle and brought it to salesforce you know there you go that's the story just a better marketer you know yeah, I have Ross on my other good, podcast too. Good, good for him. Good for him. But just be honest about, you know, where it really came from. So we, uh, it was like three or four months ago, we uh, had an, an SDR reunion event from back in the days when we were at Oracle. And this was like 90, like 95, 96, like wow. a long time ago. And there was like a hundred people there. And all in the Bay Area, all reliving and rehashing kind of the old days of, you know, wearing a suit to work and making $35,000 a year, having to get there at 530 in the morning, you know, and like stressing out if we didn't make 100 calls a day. Bonkers, right? We, but we it, all the, get very the, nostalgic as our hair gets grayer. Yeah, it's so, so true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. We, we but, romanticize but, everything. But what I was <laughs> but what I was so grateful for was the connections. And some of those, some of those people yeah. that I met are still some of my best friends yeah. in the world today. Right. And so it's like, okay, so I got that opportunity. And then I just continued to look for that, you know, in my, as I, as I continue to make decisions, you know, in my, in my career. You know, it makes me connections, think, man. yeah, well, so, you know, obviously in the Bay area, it's, it's a pretty healthy opportunity for folks, right? Like you say, starting as an SDR at Oracle, yeah. that's, that is an, an, a pretty incredible opportunity. What about young people who need to gain experience that might not live in New York or San Francisco? Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. What, what would you recommend? Well, I mean, I think I, there's always things you can do. There's always things you can do to build connection, i.e. LinkedIn, spend time on LinkedIn, get to, you know, follow people, um, add comments, add value, give first, you know, on LinkedIn and try and find people that happen to be in maybe in your same geo area, maybe that are, are working or involved in the same kind of segmentation of, of the function that you're doing, whether you're in sales, you know, RevOps, whatever it may see us, find other people. Um, I think at the end of the day, you just have to be intentional about finding community. And you can find community in a whole bunch of places. You can, you know, it was crazy on Clubhouse for a while. I don't even know if anybody uses that anymore. But, um, you know, like, let's just say you're in the Midwest and you're in Oklahoma and like, you know, you're, you know, a husband with a wife, two kids, whatever, white picket fence. And you're like, well, how am I going to continue to nurture and build my network? Well, you can do it. You got to be a little bit more mindful about it. 
right? Maybe you're just using different, you know, social social vehicles and channels, or intentionally once a quarter you go somewhere to an event, right? We're like, I just want to spend time at that event, a sales assembly event in Chicago. If you live in, you know, Oklahoma, it's not that far, or go to an event down in Austin, Texas, right? Because there's a bunch of people. So it part of it just kind of depends on who you're, you know, what kind of community you want to get connected to. And why does that matter for you personally and professionally? And the more you kind of think about that, you can find a lot of things to do to uh, to get to build out that network. Yeah, we, we make fun of the bad of LinkedIn, but I think to your point, like there is the good side of it as well. And yeah, that's it. For sure. right? And the money's in the comments and, and using that as a way to to connect with folks. I'll remember, I don't know if either of you know Chris Walker, but he has a pretty successful marketing agency. He's out of Texas now, he used to be in New York. But I don't know, three, four or five years ago, he made a comment on one of my LinkedIn posts before he started his company or anything like that. He was a marketer at a health health tech company. And I commented back, sent him a note and said, hey man, why don't you come on? And I hadn't started my podcast yet, but I was just experimenting with putting videos up on LinkedIn. I said, let's yep. shoot a video together. So we shot this video together and he loved that so much. That, that's been his entire go-to-market motion is just... <laughs> Putting video and he's super successful. I mean, his agency awesome. went from zero to twenty million in like two years. I mean, just That's just, amazing. just blew up. But he's just giving value, right? Like constantly. Yeah, 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 totally. In the trenches, this is what we do. This is what I see. You know, and you know, I think he did a really good job with it. And that's where you can actually find some real meaning if you are, like you said, are intentional about your outreach on those types of platforms. Yep, and, and that's and. I think there's, it's so much behind it, right? It's the intentionality. It's the give first. It's the, I'm here to learn. Um, you know, you start commenting on people's posts. Uh, a perfect example. Uh, so uh, I think it's Cassie or Casey Young. I don't, I haven't officially met her yet. I think she's at, um, she's the VC firm in New York, but she's posting a lot on go-to-market stuff. She's doing a lot of research and posting. And I kind of been commenting back and forth. Uh, on a bunch of her stuff because we basically swim in a lot of the same same pools just like you do <clears throat> and so i just pinged her i just sent her a note on linkedin i'm like hey you're posting a lot of great stuff it looks like you also you know you're you've got a pulse on the go-to-market kind of tech you know ecosystem from an early stage much like i do it'd be great if you ever want to meet up and just kind of like share notes like even though we're probably somewhat competitive, sure. But at the but at the end of the day, we're still like just like what are you seeing? What are you seeing? And and like the thing that she posted today, I added some color, and she's like, oh man, that's a totally missed that. That's a great call. And so like we're already building a relationship. I don't know her. You know, we just <laughs> happen to be kind of doing some something similar. Uh, it's How much just, time do you spend doing that? Like, what do you recommend? Like, do people need to like a, box out time or like how do you a, do that? That's a day? great question. I probably I don't I don't. You know, I don't schedule it in, but I definitely try and find time every day to read comment at least yeah. uh, probably like an hour a day. Um, if you're like Amy or Sam McKenna, where they post all the time and they're right. super active, they probably spend a couple hours a day. They're probably sure. prepping, you know, posts that they're going to make. And, and you, you can get to that point where you can like preempt posts and have them scheduled out and what have you. But like, I just think for me, I, like it's, it's just nice to get in there half the time. I'm like scrolling through all the BS and all the hype <laughs> and all the personal promoting that people are doing. Right, right, right. Um, but like I, I, I intentionally spend probably a good hour a day. Yeah, I, I think that's about right. And mm -hmm. you kind of hit on something that I think is interesting is like Amy and, and Sam and those folks, I think LinkedIn is a lead gen source for them. Yeah, for that's sure. Right. 
And sure, right. I've never thought of it that way to me. And I know yeah, you, uh, it can be that. Yes, and that's fine. I agree. I totally but agree. For me, it's a proof point. Yeah. Like if someone says, Hey, you should talk to Josh, right? The first thing that person's going to do is go look me up. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I want them when they, when they go there to say, Oh, this guy actually says something and he's got a point of right. view. And that's all right. I want out of it. I don't, I don't really want anything more than that. Um, right. So I think there's a little bit of a different approach for those that are like, it's a lead gen source versus, Hey, it's a proof point. I'm a real person. I have something to say. And, and that's about it. I, I have a perspective, a point of view based on the experience that I've got. And it's kind of, you know, oriented in, in this direction. Cool. Yeah. That's right. There you go. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think the thing we have to be really careful about as well is is also being mindful of like the judgments that we kind of put forward on on people and things that we see and read. Right. Mm. I think it's, you know, the old adage of like, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. We have to be careful about because, you know, we we tend to live in an environment where that is, you know, there's still a lot of gossip. There's a lot of like, you know, judgment thrown around. Um, we're all guilty of it. We're all human. Um, just be, you know, just be somewhat kind about it because you know people aren't necessarily not trying are, are not trying to be nefarious by default there are those but you know i guess i guess that's just kind of my attitude and 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 as a result i've just i you know i continue to to build great connections yeah what do you think is going to take to get the younger generation to embrace picking up the phone and calling someone <laughs> oh wow that is a that's a little bit of a left turn. Yeah. It came out of Um, something you said earlier. (laughs) Well, I mean, look, I, I I think, I think it's going to be a challenge going forward. You know, I, I, no doubt. I love the idea of picking up the phone. Um, but let's just throw it back to the two. When was the last time you? What's going to take people to answer? What was the last time you randomly answered a call? Like I That's don't right. even have my ringer on. I don't, in fact, I think I've got something set up like "Do Not Disturb" for, for permanently, so everyone's like it goes straight to voice voicemail. Um, I believe picking up the phone is an important step, even if you're just leaving a voice message. Yeah, because it it all it shows that you're like you're taking the initiative. People that are too lazy, they're just relying on email. And they're just like, I'm just going to do sit behind the screen and try and build a relationship here. It just doesn't really happen that way. And so I think it's just an important part of the entire process. Like you're, if yeah. you're reaching out to people, it needs to be, it needs to be, uh, it needs to include kind of every channel possible because you never really know. Cause look at the end of the day, reaching out to somebody, whether it's cold or warm or even hot, it's all about timing and relevance. Yeah. Right. So you could be calling me right now and I'm like, dude, I, I'm, I'm literally booked up until five o'clock tonight, actually until eight 30. Cause I got a dinner and I'm like, I'm not going to answer a call cause I don't have time. And, and same thing was yesterday with yesterday. And I'm so like, so I get to spend tomorrow calling everybody back. Right. The people that I want to call back. Right. And so like, how do we get people to pick up the phone? I think, I think one, we need to also teach them how to have real conversations with That's people. It. It's so, conflict resolution. I'm asking this for a reason. I have a 15 year old daughter. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, first of all, if they're not used to talking on the phone, then they don't know what's going to happen. Right. Like they're afraid of what, what, what could potentially happen. And what if I don't know how to answer a question that Josh may have, and I'm calling Josh for the first time and I don't want to look like an idiot. And guess what? If we're emailing back and forth or even texting, I I at least have time to do some research and and reply back. So you got to know your shit. If you're going to just managing those interpersonal relationships yeah. through, through text messages, it's a little weird, right? Like yeah. text, you I know, read. 
You text can tone. be interpreted differently. hundred percent. It's also ratified forever. Right. right. So yeah. <laughs> there's things that you have to think about a little bit, you know, so 15 year old girls are quite a dramatic situation. I don't know. Yeah. That, I know Sean doesn't have that, but I don't know what well, your, your story I, I is. Will t- I'll tell you that it's part of the reason why I leave voice notes. Like yeah. I love leaving voice mm. notes. A lot of people hate them, but I love nice. it because I'm like, one, I get my tone across Two, I can share, they get, they get to experience the energy, which is often hard to, to read with text. And three, I also know they can choose to save it or not. And right. if they don't, mm-hmm. then it disappears. If they want to, great, awesome. You know, it's kind of it's kind of up to them. But I back to your original question. I think picking up the phone is just it's a lost art that we need to refocus and train people on. Be like, hey, here's what a real conversation is going to look like. Because eventually, you're going to have them. You can't do everything on you know just just uh, over email. Yeah, but it's so and easy way, not to answer. The phone, the phone, <laughs> the phone. By the way, is also different than a Zoom call. Correct. Yeah, like running a call over the phone is very different than running a call over Zoom. And, right. and I, and again, I think, I think as organized, I think as an individual, if you are in sales, it's your responsibility to get comfortable with all domains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll sometimes force myself if I'm sending a text to say, don't, don't text them, call them. Don't text yeah. them. Call yeah. Them. yeah. Yeah. Even if it should be a text. I think the other challenge with, with, with a phone call is like, oftentimes and this is my little cheat. I'll leave a voice note because I don't have, I don't have 10 minutes to yeah. have a call. Cause like, you right. know, like if I'm calling, if I'm calling, Sean, no, I get like, that. And I gotta, I'm gonna just have a quick question for him. We're gonna shoot the shit for a little bit. And we're like, oh, what's right. going? When are you going skiing? And what's the weather? Yeah, you, know you, what I mean? you compound like, you compound that by like ten phone calls a day, right? Right. <laughs> you've, 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 you've lost There's your day. Hour LinkedIn time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And there it is. So yeah. like, I I get it. Like, but but you gotta be prepared. If I know if I'm gonna call Sean and he picks up, I gotta be prepared to have a 15, 20, 30 minute conversation. And yeah. if I'm not, then okay, then don't then don't pick up the don't phone. But I also. But you got to be, everyone has to get comfortable with it. Yeah. Well, that's Do also a side effect of not uh, calling people oh, enough, right? Like it's a side effect of not, if you haven't talked to yeah, someone for a while. For sure. Yeah. So, for sure. Like, so going back to the whole network thing, like if you kept up with people often enough, then you could have those quick conversations. Yes. That's so true. That's, that's true. a good one actually. Yeah. So we're not doing good enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could always get better. And all of us can get better at it. Yeah, you know? That's right. Yeah, sure. I find I find I find uh, windshield time. You know, often people are like audiobooks and you know yeah, podcasts. And I do that. I do that as well. But I windshield time. I call people. I love mm-hmm. that. I'll do that you know, too. I, like if I got six hours of driving because I'm driving from LA to San Francisco, I'm like, oh, I'm all here for this. You know, like yeah. I got my list of all the people I'm going to call, and then I'll tell them in advance. I'm like, hey, are you free around these times? Because I got some windshield time. I want to call and catch up. And that's the yeah, other yeah. thing. It's like if you're gonna call, like preempt it. Be like, hey, you got time for a for a quick chat because I got some time. Yeah, that's the time. That's when you can shoot the shit, right? Yeah. 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 It's, it's it's a good it's a good. Well, I love it. Um, the only other one I was going to your, your voice notes. Do you ever use the LinkedIn voice notes? The <sighs> no, and I get a lot of those as I'm do sure you? you both do. I do. And people, cause, cause look, I get like the loom videos and the links. I don't get a lot of them. And like, and, and I tell you, I think it's because people are trying to be cheeky and like try mm-hmm. something different because they think it'll get a response. I most often when I'm on LinkedIn, I'm sitting here, or I'm in a cube or like I'm in between meetings. I got a chance to quickly glance at something. I'm usually not in a place where I want to hit play and listen mm-hmm. to somebody's voice because it's just like, cause it, now I need to make sure I'm in like a focused, quiet space to actually listen. So it's actually easier for me to read quickly. 
hmm. than it is for me to listen. And so that's just more a function of like the environment that I'm in. So I tend to not like those as much. I'm always going to listen. I'm never going to read. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> hey, go, everybody. If you want to get a hold of Josh, leave him That's voice right. notes. I will listen every time. Messages, leave, a, leave him a voice message because he's yeah. going to listen. I will listen. There's a good <laughs> chance I never read your paragraph that you send me when I don't know you. But if you leave me a voice note, I might read it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, come on. Who reads the whole paragraph? Get, trust me. You read the first line and you're like, That's right. yeah. if, if that. Yeah. If yeah, that. I I'm nice enough to, to Lisa Ray. Like, not interested. Please remove me from your list. I just oh, you're way nice. Yeah. yeah. Doug, to well, ask you just a left field question. What What are you most excited about right now? In any any facet. Holy cow! What am I most excited about? You know what I'm really most excited about right now? I'm most excited about getting everyone back to the fundamentals. Like okay. I am fired up about fundamentals so much so that like I'm spending a ton of time right now um, reorienting this, the thing that's really screwing people up, which is the difference between process methodology and risk analyzers, the way in which people talk about medic, the way in which people talk about qualification, the way in which people talk about discovery drives me bonkers. It drives me appin fucking bonkers. And, and cause they all, because so many people get it wrong. I'm not saying everybody does, but so many people get it wrong and they think like medic is your sales methodology. I'm like, no, it's not. It's actually to help you no. determine the risk of a deal. And is it a healthy deal or not deal? You've got a sales process. And in that sales process, you probably create some consistency of language, right? That's going to help you determine a, we are, you know, like when I say deals is stage two, we all know what that means and what's happening, what I'm doing and what I am expecting from the customer or prospect. Correct. Right. And they all, and then there's all, like, so just everyone gets everything so wrong. It just drives me bonkers. It's like, oh, I'm going to teach you about discovery. Oh, really? You're going to teach me about what questions to ask? I don't care. I'm your buyer. Hmm. Don't ask me a fucking question. Come to me with a point of view. Quit putting all the work on my shoulders. Yeah. Agreed. You know what I'm fired up about? That's what I I'm love fired it. Up about. <laughs> I love, love it. it. All right, Doug, <laughs> where do we get more of that passion? Where, where can people find you? <laughs> where do you think? LinkedIn. 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 I'm not, I'm not really on X or Twitter. Like I think that's, you know, that's a, that's a dying channel. My, yeah. my, all, all the interesting conversations that I'm having are on LinkedIn. And, and um, when I post, I post intentionally. I don't post every day or every week, even for that matter. And when I post intentionally, it's because I've, I've got, I'm fired up about something. So find me all on right. LinkedIn. So, so find Doug Landis on LinkedIn. Emergence Capital, I assume, is just uh, emergencecapital.com or something along those lines. Oh, yeah. We're actually, we're mcap.com. Thank MCAP. you for bringing that up because Emergence Capital, somebody owned it, even though we've been in business for 20 years. <laughs> um, and, you know, we've been investing in, you know, Series A SaaS startups for over 20 years. It's kind of bonkers that we don't have Emergence Capital, but yeah, we're mcap.com. All right, mcap.com, Series A investors. I, I totally, I'm not giving you my email address because I don't want email. <laughs> no, 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 none of that. We're not doing any of that. All right, Doug, we really appreciate you joining the show. It's been an awesome conversation. Yeah, For those thanks, of you guys. that are listening, please send us a like, a comment, a review, something like that. Help us spread the word. And until next time, thanks for joining the Cheat Code. Build your connections. See you guys. <laughs>
What was our fastest path to revenue? We tend to like to do things the hard way. What's the cheat code? It's giving yourself an unfair advantage over the others. What is it that really works and how are we going to grow these organizations? That's our cheat code.